0: Three, two, one. Welcome. This is Helltale Weekly episode number 15. Um, fr- coming out to you live from Singapore and Finland again, um, as we are going in live for the 15th time already. Um, time flies for sure. And as we are still living in very challenging times across the world, uh, we are focusing in this episode, especially uh, taking care or how to take care of your mental health, Um you know, during this this crisis time, during the isolation and quarantine time, but even outside of that, uh, which is one of the crucial healthy habits that we all must um, remember to take care of um, every single day, because it is so easy to to always focus on nutrition and and exercise and sleep and all that stuff. The the one thing which quite often actually is is getting forgotten is mental mental health um, side of things, which actually. Uh, is probably the most important piece of the whole puzzle, even though you cannot really um, take any of the pu- the pieces of the puzzle away from each other. So with that, um, I am joined here tonight by um, our previous guest, Tommy Rupa, who's the co-founder of Hellzilla. So he Tommy is one of our co-founding um, members and the COO of the Burar Life team. Welcome, Tommy.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: And we are also um, joined by a special guest tonight. Um, a master, a gentleman who has a master's degree in psychology and in engineering. He's an organizational psychologist, a process con- consultant, coach, studied med- meditative working habits for 20 years, written two books on um, on, on mind uh, called Laboratory of Mind and Mind and Me. Um, he is Aripekka Skarp. Welcome, Aripekka.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: How are you today? Uh,
2: quite quite good.
0: Uh, I, I assume, I yeah. assume you, are, you are working from home, yeah?
2: Yes, normal day, uh, working from home, uh, taking care of kids at the same time and uh, trying to have some
0: breaks in the between also. Of course, yeah. It, it does sound that that it's, it's it's a very similar story across the world. People working from home, um, you know, taking care of the family at the same time, which I assume is not not that easy either. So, Aripeka, could you give us a a short um, introduction to yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I've been working with organizations uh, about twenty years also in a more kind of a coaching roles, a uh, little bit more than 15 years, uh, especially in, in the organizational development. Agile methods, uh, I think that my specialty in the organizational development is in the complexity, thinking uh, how to apply these kind of uh, philosophies in the organizations. Uh, that's one side of the story. And uh, then the other one is this... Uh, Uh, psychology. So, so I'm also trained psychologist and uh, psychotherapist in training currently. And this is something that I've always been also very fond of. uh, How to kind of uh, help people uh, to achieve better in the work life obviously, but also in the personal life. Uh, And I I kind of uh, try to put this together in my work with the organizations also, so so that I can uh, use my my skills in occupational uh, psychologist work as well in this uh, other kind of organizational jobs. Okay. Yeah. So I used to work for healthcare companies also in the occupational uh, psychology, and uh, that was very good experience to gain Uh, wide understanding of what kind of uh, organizational realities there are in in different kinds of uh, jobs and fields of work.
0: Absolutely. So it it does sound to me like you've sort of seen both the organizational psychology side and then the individual psychology side as well, right?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Mm -hmm. It's obviously they are very well interwoven so you can't really detach themselves from each other because in order for you to or want to understand organizational psychology, you need to understand the individual level of psychology at the same time. I would assume.
2: Yeah, and vice versa also. Oh, I yeah. Actually, think think that this uh, the mind is actually a social process in its deepest level. So I think that the individual is kind of a flux point of uh, social uh, interconnected uh, processes.
0: That that is such an interesting point you raised there. Um, that individual is actually, or individual mind is actually a social mind from the starting point perspective. Because so often we think that we or each of us are, are individual minds, and and like we create the social connections, and and which then drives us and all that. But actually, might be the other way around. Um, so maybe maybe that's, that's sort of a perfect lead-in into this discussion about um, taking care of our mental health, especially during this uh, corona pandemic, because of many of us are now quarantined, working from home. Um, um, many of us are with our family, some of us, like myself, just by myself, locked in, in between four walls and, and all that. So there's a lot of loneliness, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety. Um, and all these negative emotions which um, during this quarantine or lockdown period gets prolonged and and i have to say to myself i've noticed a lot of like negative thinking um, uh, in, in in my own head just because of not being able to see other people so becca how how have you sort of seen this this whole situation currently in your current job scope and um, what are some of the, some of the insights you've um, you've noticed so far from this whole situation and the impact of it to both organizational and individual psychology and mental health?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's very wide question. Um, one one thing that I was uh, thinking is this: uh, you mentioned this kind of negative thoughts that you are having in this uh, situation when you are not able to. have a a kind of a social conversation and socialize with other people. You know, of course, we can use this uh, digital great tools that we have uh, to have this kind of a conversation that we are now having. But uh, it's really not the same thing as having a physical kind of a contact with your uh, friends, you know, sharing the same location. So something is kind of changing when you when you are kind of communicating with other people, with your words, with this kind of uh, audio tools, even video tools, but uh, it's not the same. So yeah. so I have also noticed this, and uh, I've been thinking about what, what are these elements behind all this, and uh, one obvious thing is that, uh, of course, we, we have lots of uh, kind of a non-verbal communication happening when we are around each other. You know, all these uh, little uh, signs in the muscles of the face, uh, between the eyes, and all these. lots of studies done about these things. And of, of course this, uh, how we use our whole body to kind of uh, communicate our feelings, and uh, how we tune into each others. You know, we, we have similar kind of uh, rhythms of breathing and moving and uh, all that is happening unconsciously when we are around each other. But uh, when we have only this kind of uh, audio tools, for example, mm. you know, very much of this is cut off. And uh, we have to use a different kind of elements to try to tune into each other. So so I think this is one, one key difference here. Uh, but the other thing is that this uh, like I mentioned the social mind uh, whenever the social interaction action interactional patterns are changing our mind is actually changing mm. uh, and this is something that uh, for example this meditation retreats uh, take advantage of so even though uh, I can be in a retreat with with uh, 30 people or more and uh, share a common space, if we we are in silence and don't talk with each other, that starts to change my mind, the processes of mind, me, in fact. And uh, that can be used as a tool uh, for self-search in the meditative work. Uh, And this, this is also, I think, happening now in a little bit different way because of this physical conduct is so limited. Uh, And not many of us are kind of used to this kind of uh, retreat type of uh, environment. So so this can be also one thing that happens that uh, I don't know myself as well as I used to, when when so much of this social uh, networks that I'm connected in in many, many ways
0: uh, changed. And that's a a very good point, actually, because um, in the modern maze of social connections, uh, mingling with different people, always being able to see your friends and family whenever you want to and not really taking time to potentially meditate and practice mindfulness, which is practically to to do self-searching and to try to know yourself a bit better. So then this whole situation of, of social isolation, which now is happening for um, for a very good reason, obviously, then ma- basically forces us to um, face our own inner self, which we might not actually know as well as um, we, we would want to or, or what we thought about, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing could be that uh, we have different kinds of uh, schemas how how we used to operate uh, both mentally and physically and socially. And um, I I might have this kind of um, tools to handle my stress that whenever I have a little bit of anxiety or whatever, uh, I visit my you know neighbor or friend or whoever. And then we have mm-hmm. discussions about football or, or whatever interests us. And, uh, when I'm not able to do this kind of uh, disturbances for this anxiety patterns that I'm feeling, uh, that could be one thing that uh, leads to more negative thinking. Uh, we have to kind of uh, develop uh, new ways of coping with these kind of things.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's a very good point. I mean, yeah, but just, just by listening to you, I mean, I'm, I'm recognizing so many features of myself, actually, and how I used to like uh, cope with any anxious situations and all that you know heading out to to the nearest you know bar or something having a pint of beer or cocktail with my friends or a date or something you know it's like um <laughs> it's quite revealing actually so 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 obviously the the next question would then be okay well now is that that is not possible then then uh what would be some of the tools that that um, you would propose that that we could use or, or everyone could use to sort of resort into whenever you feel anxious or being afraid or whatnot.
2: Yeah um, Well I think that we have both uh, constructive and destructive ways of coping with uh, inner anxiety and stuff like this and uh, and many of these things that we have used are actually constructive and good things so, So one thing to think about is that uh, how could you utilize similar coping mechanisms without this uh, physical, uh, uh, without being Mm. able to be in physical contact with the bodies. So, uh, for example, I've been thinking about this uh, setting, for example, alarm clock every now and then during the day, and uh, then, you know, calling some random friend of yours with a WhatsApp video call or or whatever. Because uh, usually we have also this many kind of informal meetings with Mm -hmm. other people, uh, going to these uh, places uh, where we do our hobbies or grocery store or whatever. And now these are more limited. So we could actually make this happen more often, consciously.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That, that that's yeah. a very good good tip in terms of what you can actually do. Which I've noticed myself as well is that I, I I don't I haven't used the alarm clock method myself yet, but I do tend to call people more randomly just because of you know um, the, the feel good effect of actually being able to speak to someone and potentially even see someone not necessarily obviously physically, but uh, even even through uh, a Zoom call or whatever that might be. Uh, in yeah. indeed. Now, in, in terms of, um, like, if you, because you've done meditative work and you've your expertise is meditative, meditative working habits as well, so uh, how can we, how could we sort of utilize uh, meditation and meditative working habits more um, in our daily lives, especially now as, as we um, are restricted of our social connections and, and live interaction with other people?
2: yeah. That's a good question. Um, I was actually thinking about these experiences from these meditation retreats. Uh, What are these uh, quite old tools that are used in this uh, retreat environment to help people cope Mm. with the kind of a change in uh, mind states and and whatever is happening there? There are some some things that I I found out that, uh, for example, this... um, One important thing is is this equanimity, this kind of ability to be whatever happens and kind of uh, uh, accept what happens. For example, if if in your mind uh, you are having more kind of negative thoughts or whatever, and uh, you don't uh, have this usual energy or or usual motivated uh, spirit that you used to have, uh, you shouldn't kind of uh, worry about this because it's very normal that uh, when these kind of uh, big changes are happening, there will be impacts on how you kind of uh, experience the world. So Mm -hmm. instead of trying to kind of get rid of it, uh, be curious about it, what is happening. This could be one critical uh, element, kind of change it to Um, observation and a little bit of practice you know uh, know yourself a little bit more in a different
0: situation. Indeed so I I guess what you're pointing towards is simply um, like trying to take your um, uh, like lower level self if you may maybe that's not the right psychological term for it but like lower level self taking your cognitive mind out of that situation or conscious mind out of that situation, simply observing what is and accepting um, the current situation and being cur- curious of, of what is happening um, both externally and especially internally within yourself, right?
2: Yeah, in meditation retreats, it's very common to have uh, many kind of experience, mm. you know, very good, uh, good experience, joy, energy and also uh, fear whatever negative kind of uh, depressive thoughts and all these are kind of uh, welcomed because they are who you are in that moment or or what is happening in your mind in that moment so so whatever happens is okay this is one thing Mm. and uh, but but that's not all because uh, you have to have some kind of a path also in that situation so what is it that you want to focus on is there something that uh, this situation where you are, find yourself now uh, can teach you? Some, some very important lectures about uh, your life and yourself, for mm. example. Yeah. Is there some, some opportunities for growth that you usually don't have time to? You know, like in this uh, John Lennon song, life is something that happens uh, when, when you are busy making other plans. Yeah. Now you don't have so much <laughs> other plans, so you have time to watch what is happening.
0: Indeed, I, I fully agree with you. And I guess the the one thing which many of us uh, potentially do um, find a bit difficult, maybe um, over time, is is that just to to detach yourself from the emotion of fear or anxiety and observe it and accept it, that might be really difficult at the same time. So you, so it's it's like you're so overwhelmed by that emotion that it, it would be difficult for you to actually, actually um, detach yourself from from that and try to observe and accept it at the same time. Do you have any um, yeah. special tools uh, that could be used for that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely mm. with what, what you said, and uh, that's true on the meditation retreats also, uh, and that's why they are actually very good structures. Uh, over that whole thing that is happening. Uh, one important part of that is, is the routines. Mm-hmm. So you have to create a sense of time uh, by having routines. And uh, when, when the old routines are broken because of a different situation, you have to establish new ones. Have some routines that are kind of uh, happening and you can anticipate what is happening. You have this kind of uh, sense of time built in there. And then another thing is that uh, usually you have some kind of a, a teacher figure or, or some kind of a trustworthy uh, person that you can have discussions about what is happening with you. Mm. You know, some of us could have a coach, perhaps a therapist, a uh, good friend or even a teacher, if you are following some spiritual tradition or, or yeah. whatever. So, because uh, many things are happening in your mind, uh, it's good to have discussions about these things mm-hmm. with somebody who doesn't kind of uh, be involved in that story that you are telling to yourself, but can be a little bit more detached
0: from it. Absolutely, because so, many, yeah. many times when you actually are explaining Um, your situation and emotions uh, to someone else, what can happen quite often is that already by simply discussing and saying out loud how you feel uh, if you have fear or anxiousness, for example, or loneliness or whatever it is, when you actually explain the situation to another person, you actually need to use your logical brain to explain the situation. And that already makes more sense to yourself as well, which might um, obviously, act as a helping agent, and then there's the uh, the obviously the uh, the other benefit, um, which is to actually get some type of feedback or, or guidance in terms of how to how to cope with this uh, this situation. Now, yeah. um, I've um, I've sort of uh, last at the end of last year, I, I decided to try. Uh, uh, therapy myself I didn't have any like drastic reason for it but I just because uh, there was many people who, uh, who actually um recommended doing therapy even though you might not feel like it or you might not have a specific reason for it but um there was Oprah and, and, and all sorts of celebrities saying that okay well everybody should try therapy and I do fully agree with the with the fact that that every one of us should try that and uh, with, with the word therapy therapist, you can change that to coach or spiritual leader or whichever fits your life situation, um, but in a way whereby you would be able to analyze your internal world and discuss your internal world with another person uh, creates a lot of room for growth uh, for yourself and for your emotional um, balance as well. Um, that's definitely something, uh, something which has been very beneficial for for me as well uh, uh, in the past. So, I would recommend that to all of the listeners on this uh, this podcast for sure. Now, specifically, um, Rebecca, towards um, um, towards the fear factor, because a lot of the the media nowadays, so there's a lot of discussion in the news all the time. So, it's been like ever since what February or something at least from the beginning of March, in many countries, the news have been all about coronavirus and all about death and how many people have died and how many people have gotten ill and all the horrib- horrible stuff that, that goes on around this, um, which obviously does not help um, a lot of people uh, reading and, and you know watching this on television and all that in terms of their uh, mental balance and mental st- stability. So um, do you have any any sort of coping mechanisms and tools, how how people could manage um, the fear factor of this whole current situation.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a very important question. Um, when this all happened uh, in, in Finland, in the beginning times of March, uh, I remember that I was watching news like every half an hour from my phone.
0: Yeah, same, for, same <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. the current updates and yeah. updates and updates. And, you know, I was actually having a, a seminar on anxiety at the same mm. day in my psychotherapy study. So it was quite interesting in the professional uh, viewpoint also to see this anxiety building in in myself and then looking at these different uh, mechanisms and theories about how, how it actually is, is kind of building up. Um, but I was lucky enough to have a little bit of city retreats happening the next weekend. So I had the two days with six hours of pure meditation and without any need to look at any forms or news or discuss with anybody about anything. Mm. And this, uh, how I felt it in my si- in myself was quite like, uh, you know, night and day. I was so happy to be six hours in a kind of, a, uh, in a world where I don't have to think about this uh, virus or anything yeah. around it, you know. And, and I made the decision that uh, I don't uh, read any news in weekends and I also re- also, at weekdays, I read news once a day, and that's it. And I kind of limit myself. I, I have this kind of a discipline that I don't do. More. Uh, I think it's important to know what is happening and have uh, information and uh, form opinions about uh, things. But uh, you don't have to build up anxiety, you know, um, because this uh, all our news Newspapers and um, uh, news sources are kind of uh, It's a business model that for them to have uh, lots of people, reading those news. news
0: of course, of watching,
2: course, you know. So so everything that they say is kind of, uh, uh, made in a way that it's uh, it's kind of uh, addictive. Mm. So so you have to have discipline to remove yourself from that that kind of addiction.
0: Absolutely, which is which is yeah. a great. Great tip. Simply um, um, deny yourself of going into the news sites and trying to update yourself every half an hour. Um, I've fallen fallen trap into into the trap myself with that as well. I've what I've noticed is that the less I pay attention, the less I actually you know wonder about it and you know keep mongering myself in in that whole virus epidemic uh, feeling as well. And I'm sure both we, myself and you, we are not alone in this. There are millions and millions of people around the world in the exact same, same situation. So it is such an important feat to actually limit yourself to the exposure because actually it does not give you any benefit whatsoever to update yourself every half an hour or every hour or multiple times a day about the whole situation. Yeah, keep yourself updated um, on the status maybe once a day or whatnot and that's it. That's good enough. That's all you can do, really. Um, so, um, so it is a great tip, um, indeed. Now, in terms of, because um, you have based on based on your your work and your job currently as well, you have a view towards the organisational psychology side as well. Um, what types of changes have you seen in organisational psychology because of this current situation and the remote working policy and, and all that is there any specific problems or issues which you've seen uh, which are not in the norm?
2: Yeah well uh, one thing that has been studied a lot uh, even in normal times is this kind of uh, how this uh, stress and uh, this kind of negative load uh, is transferencing between work and free time you know it mm. goes both ways if yeah. you have uh, Tough times on your free time it affects your work and other way around. So so this is one thing that is very easy to see that now this uh, stress load from the free time of this, uh, what is happening with the virus is affecting the work. So, so people don't have uh, so much energy perhaps uh, mm-hmm. as they used to have. Uh, we might have also some uh, disturbances in our work days, if we have kids or, or pets or whatever in our houses, when we try to uh, focus on some, some meetings that we are having or some work tasks. So, so definitely there's more transparency from the stress load to work than usually. And also this uh, kind of a mental uh, worrying and all that. So, so this is clearly clear to see what mm. is happening.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, but another thing is that uh, we have also quite good coping mechanisms. So, so we can boost up our energy levels for a few months. Uh, I've seen this happening a lot in my work as an occupational psychologist, that uh, people who are very good at their work and very hard-working people, uh, they might be on a kind of a, on too much workload for Months and months. Uh, if they are very well, say, in good shape, it could be years. Also, yeah. I have, a, have some very good uh, kind of uh, sports people there. Also, um, so so this is also happening. There are people who don't seem to uh, have any negative things happening around their work or life at this moment. But uh, some of those people, I can. Uh, know from a, my kind of history and experiences that uh, when few months are gone then we will have people uh, exhausting
0: yeah because, indeed.
2: because of being in this uh, over energy level for months and months
0: yeah, in yeah. A row. yeah. indeed and uh, <laughs> it is interesting ori I've I've noticed a lot of similarities to what you say in my own life as well. I've been in this sort of self-isolation, quarantine type situation now for almost two months um, already myself. And I've, I'm and yes, I've, I've been able to keep up my productivity very high uh, for the for two months about give or take right now. And, you know, um, now I'm, I'm clearly noticing some, um, <laughs> some impacts of the isolation and, and like uh you know negative impact towards my pro- productivity as well so we are at that limit um at this stage so so hopefully obviously the the situation would get better overall as well now tommy have you mm-hmm. um, ha- have you had any any sort of ha- how are you coping with the situation have you noticed any any negative impacts into your um productivity or men- mental mental well-being
1: Um, Yes, um, short answer, Uh, and the longer answer is that, um, uh, of course, I I live in Finland as well, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and we have isolation taking place, but it's not quite as strict maybe as in in Singapore or some other other countries in the world. So um, I'm still able to go outside, and I have a dog, so I do that like four times a day. Um, and I'm also able to go uh, to my gym. So it's, there's like this restriction in place that max 10 people at a time right, okay, okay. Uh, are allowed to to um, gather in one one place and, and space, actually. Um, so I'm, I've, I have been able to go to the gym with my friends, which I, I, I would say has a significant impact on, on my well-being in a good way. Um, and, and actually, that was something I was thinking about you know earlier um, in our discussion when when we were talking about this that you know mm. even though we have these digital devices and, and, and means of, of communicating uh, using our voice uh, as we're now doing we're not occupying or sharing the same space as ari was was saying yeah. and I actually started to sort of you know feel that sort of how I actually experience a situation differently when I am in the same space with someone as opposed to just talking like we are now talking and I, I instantly got this sort of feeling of okay there is a difference and is actually quite a big difference as I think all of us can recognize and, and that was really interesting and so I, I was I decided that I'm really quite I'm just going to listen because this is so so interesting and, and we have a real expert on, on our podcast today so so this is really really interesting. But to answer your question that you know how, how do I cope, what do I do? I um, well one thing that I have um been doing for many, many years is, is this meditation practice, um which is which is a habit, uh, hopefully a healthy habit in my case. Um so I, I do daily meditations, usually before I go to bed. So it's yeah. my way of winding down. Um, and I also, before I, I start meditating, I, I sort of turn off all my electronic devices and and, and you know, so I, I don't have the screen time just before I go to bed either. Sure, so sure. That's that's one sure. thing. Uh, and another thing which I have to admit, I haven't been that good in or good at yet is actually the, the breathing exercises that we, we can also do using our app. Yeah. Um, I, I just actually did this. You know, two-minute breathing exercise before this podcast, just to sort of change my state from you know yeah. working hard on on other things and then trying to, trying to sort of um, come into the present moment and, and be able to focus on this podcast that we're now doing. And, and actually, just doing the two-minute breathing exercise exercise, which I have to admit I don't do that often, uh, but I should probably. It really helps to sort of shift between, you know, states and become more focused, more relaxed.
0: Absolutely. So that is
1: actually something, uh, you know, that I could do a bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, Rebecca, what is your take on breathing exercises towards um, mental well-being and balancing yourself out?
2: Yeah, those are excellent, I think, practices. Uh, I've also done, I'm also a yoga teacher. Okay. And in in yoga, we have a little bit different kind of breathing exercises, but but in this kind of uh, Buddhist way of doing breathing Mm -hmm. exercises, it's more kind of um, observing the breath. And uh, uh, I have used these kind of uh, practices with my clients for many years, especially Mm -hmm. when there's anxiety. And uh, uh, one exercise that I've a little bit kind of developed over these years is such that uh, you you focus on the breathe, breathing mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, first you try to find the point where the out-breath begins, the exact point where the out-breath begins. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a while when you start to have a good grip on that, uh, you will keep your focus on the out-breath from the very beginning to the very end of it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you let go of it and uh, wait for next pause when this uh, out-breath begins. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's very good uh, in itself, but then you can have a little bit of this uh, other tools, they are like this uh, little half smile on your face. When your face is, your eyes start to relax. In every outbreath, you have a little bit of smile, like you were uh, beginning to smile. Perhaps other people won't even see it, but you can feel that you are kind of uh, starting with a smile. And it relaxes your eyes uh, and your whole face. And then in every out-breath. You smile, uh, focus on the breath,
0: breathing and uh, relax. Indeed, that, that's, a, that's a very good, uh, good exercise for sure to do, especially uh, when you combine the facial expression to the out-breath as well, because obviously um, our nervous system is so connected, so when you do start putting up that smile onto your face, Subconsciously, so I would then assume that you would sort of start feeling better and start feeling more relaxed at the same time, right? Yeah. And uh,
2: I think that this focus on the
0: outbreak also yeah. naturally
2: gives a little bit more space for that outbreak. Yeah. And that's and also good for, for this relaxing, uh, relaxing effect.
0: Exactly, there was a Japanese study on uh, on breathing as well, how massive how a massive impact uh, that will have on people. Like there was this study which was studying that um, six deep inhales through your nose and exhales through your mouth uh, would be enough to actually lower your blood pressure as well. So it, it so all sorts of breathing exercises, no matter what type it is actually will help you to um, relax for sure um, over the long period of time. But these are stuff that you would need to do on a daily basis, obviously to incorporate as part of your uh, um, healthy habits routine. Um, and, and as per what Domi mentioned, we have um, the breathing exercise in the HealthZilla app Do download it if you haven't done it already and try it out. So it's a very quick and, and nice um, exercise to do to quickly find your center of your focus and relax um at, at whichever point um uh, during during the day as well
1: um, sure. may, may i may i ask a question here uh, before you of need course. to continue of course um because because you know um, it sounds to me like um both in in ari-pekkas and, and my case uh, we have quite many years of experience of, of doing meditation okay. already um, but it might be the case that you know, someone who is listening to this podcast hasn't done much meditation or, you know, maybe has tried some form of meditation. Um, but in order to sort of actually um, create a, a habit that you do something consistently um, and regularly, you know, if not daily, then let's say like weekly or, or you know, a few mm. times a week. Um, I'm wondering that actually question to to, uh, Ari-Pekka that you know what is in your opinion um, a good way to to start learning um, because I guess we are all still learning how to do meditation and mindfulness and what is a good way to start Um, is it through breathing exercises maybe or or some some kind of uh, some specific kind of, of of meditation or mindfulness practice or what would be you know what would be your advice to a person who would like to start uh, learning yeah. and 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 sort of getting the benefits of doing that this kind of of exercise or or having that yeah. kind of a habit in 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 their lives?
2: Yes, I've also been thinking about this a lot. Um, I, I think that this um, if you can have uh, somebody to teach you, At least in the beginning phases, that would be the optimal, because uh, uh, my experience is that uh, different people have kind of a different biases of uh, what they like and what seems to work for them. So there's no kind of one thing that works for all. So so the key thing is to actually find something that uh, gives you a good instant feedback immediately because that's the best way to kind of have a motivation to do it again. Uh, if it releases your kind of anxiety, for example, uh, then you want to do that more often. And if it works, then you want to keep doing it. Um, but but I've also noticed that different people uh, respond to di- di- different practices. So some people are... Uh, are such that they they respond very well to this kind of a breathing exercises that we were talking about but then i have had clients who have uh, their anxiety is in their breathing so they don't want to focus on it because it brings more anxiety mm. so then you have to have a different approach for example uh, bodily sensations perhaps or then, uh, some kind of a moving practices could be very good, like Tai Chi or, or Qigong and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it would be optimal to have a chance to try a few different uh, practices with a, a qualified teacher who understands what you are doing, and then kind of find your way which is working for you immediately, and then start with it because. Uh, when you get to, uh, get more experience, you start to get benefits from other practices also. And mm. it might be that your kind of motivation changes to, changes to some other practice. But uh, if you start with a practice that uh, is difficult, you don't like it, uh, it brings more anxiety, you know, very diff- difficult to have a habit starting
1: from that practice. Exactly. Very, 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 right, correct, very, thanks. <laughs> I, I you know that, that's that's very good, very good points that you're raising and you know, in those things I have you know come across many times um, also at work because um, I remember one time that I, I sort of suggested that we would do with our our team at work a, a sort of um, a mindfulness um, uh, we invited a person who, who was teaching us mindfulness, and we were a group of ten people. And I could obviously see that you know some people really liked it, and for some some others, it just didn't work at all. Um, and, and and it was sort of very interesting because personally, um, my my meditation practice started like 20 years ago when when a when a friend of mine who happened to be a yoga teacher said that you know, Tommy, if you want to do meditation, you just sit down and you be there. And, and, and then I, that, that's what I did and I really enjoyed it. But I guess that is, you know, for me being a, a I guess, an introvert and, you know, whatever else I am, uh, that really actually worked. And then of course I have done my, my retreats and, and, and all kinds of other stuff then since, since, you know, the, when I started, but exactly what you said, that it doesn't work for everyone. Um, and so i guess the thing or the trick really is to find something that you feel helps you and you get this instant feedback that it is actually helping (laughs) but but how do you find that is of course then the the next question but uh, is there any other way than just explore um what do you think
2: Uh, well if you would have a a teacher who understands uh, meditation in in a wide array, uh, that could that would be the optimal way. But mm. uh, you you don't have have people like that everywhere. So so perhaps trying out a few different things. You know uh, you don't have to have so many things to try out. For example, this uh, breathing exercises is one good thing to try out. If that is not your being perhaps this kind of uh, body scan that you can find from uh, Kapachin's mm. mindfulness lessons, that could be one good. Uh, whatever sense spares you are using, you know, that could be the thing. Somebody, some of us uh, like this kind of uh, vision-based practices. Some of us like uh, audio or, or hearing-based practices and some like this tactile Uh, touching the sensations Mm. in your body, Uh, you know, and then then of course these moving practices like yoga or or tai chi could be one thing to try out. And I think that uh, if you try out something like three different things, you start to get a kind of a feeling of what, uh, what is more your kind of approach.
1: I think you know the important thing here is that in order to get the benefits of course you know just doing maybe something once is you know you get some benefit but the real benefit comes from this consistent practice of something meaning that it is a habit that is part of your life and maybe lifestyle even and in order to that that to happen then I I, I also agree that it 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 makes sense (laughs) That it needs to be something that you enjoy and, and you find beneficial and, and you know maybe even fun. Um, yeah. Not that it it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't require work because I think you know in order to be become good at anything you need to put put in a lot of work. So if yeah. you want to become a good I don't know painter or or whatever you know you need to learn the basics and, and then you need to do your practice in order to become good. And, and, and at least in my my experience, what I actually enjoy about uh, meditation, and, and of course that also applies to many sort of workouts or, or physical things that I have practiced throughout my my, my life, is this sort of sense of, um, I think the word is mastery, that you com- sort of combine your bodily, is it sensations or movements, with with your mind, so there's like an idea or intention, or being just aware and, and mindful of what you're doing, yeah. uh, and those those things when they sort of combine nicely, you get this or I uh, get this sort of sort of maybe you could call it flow sort of um, feeling or experience that it, it's just so enjoyable even uh, to do some practice not every time I have to say you know sometimes it's really you know it doesn't work and it's a bad day and you no know, nothing seems to go go right yeah. uh-huh. but but that's part of the the process I, I think also like like in the beginning of this podcast we were talking about that that sort of being I can't remember what was the word that we used but sort of not trying to push aside some some feelings of anxiety or, or whatever or instead mm-hmm. trying to sort of Witness and, and 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 you know, approve or accept them.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've actually trained mindfulness teaching uh, teachers in this kind of first training based approach where we use eight week of practice, but uh, uh, we we do a few different kind of practice during these weeks so that. Uh, the client does one week of this practice and uh, gets feedback from that and then we switch a little bit more uh, different styles of practice and uh, we try to find what are the strengths of this client so that we can find the practice that is uh, most suitable and uh, most kind of uh, fun and uh, enjoyable thing to do so so instead of kind of having some kind of a one-size-fits-all approach. You try to understand what are the strengths in you that you can utilize and uh, form those as a basis
1: for the practices. That's really interesting. Um, I could, you know, continue keep asking questions, Nico, but I'm not sure if go you... Ahead, you go, like ahead. <laughs> no, no. go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. You have some good questions. Go ahead.
1: Um, so, a bit, bit earlier, we were talking about this sort of getting feedback of, of your um, um, you know, meditation or breathing or whatever um, exercise or habit you have. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that, of course, we at HealthZilla are very much into measuring stuff um, and, and, and getting, for instance, the biometric feedback. Uh, and what we have done is that we have looked a lot at like heart rates and heart rate variability and 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 we know that there's a lot of uh science and, and research into let's say hrv heart rate vi- variability as a as a sort of indication of of how people are are you know stressed or or how they are recovering and and, and so on and I, i'm wondering wondering arie that do you have any any experience or 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 thoughts about how we could maybe utilize this kind of uh, you know, variable devices or or fingertip scans or whatever you know, the, the type type of measurement we're using uh, to see what is actually happening in, in our sort of uh, in, in our body. Um, it, do you have any, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I, I've used this aura ring for or I don't know two years or, or whatever, and um, uh, what I have found out is that uh, uh, this uh, nighttime HRV is is very good indicator of uh, how how I'm doing in kind of uh, uh, balancing my my life in the in the way I have uh, time for sports and time for rest and time for for different things. Uh, in a longer term you can see like let's take a three months time space then you can see what is happening Uh, but then I have also think about this uh, more short time things that what what would be uh, indicators that you could utilize and uh, I actually uh, do some some measurements of my HRB after yoga sessions, but uh, I don't know yet if those are kind of uh, very practical measurements. So what would be very uh, interesting would be to have this kind of uh, uh, on-demand HRB in everyday situations. Not in a situation that you have to stop and then take the measurement. But, uh, you know, like during this conversation that we are having, having here. Uh, like, like immediate feedback, what is happening. That could be useful, for example, in this anxiety type of mechanisms, that uh, when you start to see that something is happening, do you have still some time to make, uh, make something, some changes, before having a panic attack, for example? But uh, I'm sure that you know more about this technical technical science uh, currently, what is, what is possible and what is not possible.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you know, there are many um... Applications um, that exist and, and probably will, will even come many many new still um, around the the use of you know uh, different biomarkers such as HRV uh, as you mentioned this this aura ring which I also have uh, measures or uh, it actually I think it measures all the time but uh, the data that we can access uh, as as consumers. Is, is only the data that is sort of um, taken during the night time. Um, and uh, so with this, this kind of measurement method, we're not able to do what you just described, like you know how we see what's happening during this, this discussion. Um, but I know I'm aware of, of uh, other kinds of approaches, um, especially related to the treatment of anxiety, I remember reading that there is a was it Australian company, I think maybe that has developed a solution for um, especially for uh, war veterans um, who, it seems quite often have all kinds of issues with anxiety. and and, and, and if I remember right, this specific solution or service was that, if, if the, the, the measurement device, I think it was some kind of a wristband or something, if it happens to notice that the, the pulse goes up and, and and something else, then it will actually give a notification, like a warning that, you know, do a breathing exercise that you might be, yeah. you know, approaching a anxiety attack or something like this. So, you know, there are all kinds of, of, of solutions out there um you know how good they are i i don't know really and and i guess what we have been doing at health is very much that we look at the daily uh, measurement and, and and the sort of longer term trends so you know what is your daily measurement against you, this weekly sort of uh, trends and and how is that compared to the monthly trends and and so on and and, yeah. and i guess our philosophy is more about like getting long term results uh, in terms of health and well-being and especially from a sort of preventive point of view so that before you get you know s- serious illness or, or you know health issues you know what kind of healthy habits you should try to build and maintain uh, and in that sort of co- context I think the sort of daily measurement is is very sort of good approach but of, of course, it would be interesting, I, I, I agree, to, to be able to sort of continuously measure and, and see how things change. But I guess, you know, we will get there eventually. And if you're having like a Apple Watch or whatever, it, it's continuous measurement, I think, or I'm not sure.
0: On-demand HR. On-demand HRV is already available on the Healthzilla app, and you can just use your phone camera. It's not like you know you can you can measure it continuously, but whenever you need to, you can use the phone camera with our app to to measure your heart rate variability in different types of situations. Well, we've is true. T- what we've taken the approach um, as per what Domi mentioned is is that we are sort of looking at longer-term trends and how your healthy habits actually uh, do improve your biomarkers, such as. Uh, resting heart rate and heart rate variability which are quite good biomarkers um, themselves in terms of your stress and recovery levels indeed and how those then play a part in your mental well-being as well there's i think there is a clear correlation to that too there's some 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 excellent points you guys have have raised uh, raised so far Tommy did you because uh, you had million questions go ahead if you have
1: any, <laughs> any more no 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 it's, i think it's your turn um, um, if you if you have any questions.
0: Well, I guess, I mean, uh, yeah, so, so for, because we've been, we've been talking almost an hour already, and it's been, it's been such a, such an in-depth conversation with loads of valuable, valuable information, uh, in terms of how to, um, how to cope with, uh, with the, with this current situation, how to cope with different situations and different emotions uh, and how to incorporate, um, mindfulness meditation into your daily healthy habits as well. And you can use the Healthzilla app too to do that too, which is which is an excellent tool. And then, obviously, for the coaches and uh, teachers out there, there's a million and billion uh, different avenues online um, which you can definitely use um, to. To try to see what are the best ways to do meditation and breathing exercises for yourself, because there is, as per the, as per Arupakanto me mentioned, there is a way for everyone, which makes it useful for us, um, and we just need to find the one which is the, which is the the main one for each and every one of us. So, but it is definitely worth the effort to uh, invest the time to, um, to find the. the tools and methods which work for you and then incorporate these into your healthy habit, healthy daily habits um, uh, for you know for your uh, for the optimization of your mental well-being um, um, during any time of your life but especially during these uh, a bit um, troubled times as, as we are currently living living in as well so Rebecca just to just to wrap these things up um, what would be your sort of Three top tips um, for coping uh, with with the mental mental stress during these uh, crisis times over the uh, the, the pandemic. Um,
2: even though we talk about social distancing, uh, that's a little bit, I think, a misleading term. The, the physical distancing is important in this virus. Actually, we would, we should be more socially active but uh, not physically. So the main thing I think for many of us is to keep our social uh, networks, the interactions that actually make us who we are uh, alive and going on, but a little bit different in different means that we have used to. So so this is something we have to work with, how to keep up the social networks, uh, social connection, uh, the community, different communities that we are part of. Uh, I think this would be my priority number one, because uh, that's that's who we are. A social kind of processes uh, that are happening. Another thing is that uh, uh, this uh, anxiety and fear that we have been discussing is. Uh, is mostly coming from our anticipation of uh, negative outcomes that could be happening for us and uh, our closest ones and and people people around us so it would be very important to be aware that it is really anticipation it is not reality that has kind of uh, happened yeah. and this is something that we try to Uh, practice in different meditative traditions also, to see clearly what is true in this moment. Uh, And anticipation is important, but uh, you don't have to do it continuously by checking out different news sources and and whatever. So so try to live your life uh, normally, because actually this is also normal even though it's different. Absolutely. No, that would be my number two tip here. And um, perhaps uh, number three would be this kind of uh, practices for my life. All kind of practices have been very important in in my physical and mental health. You know, this uh, martial arts that I've been training, the physical exercises, these are really good, good thing to have. And uh, also these mental practices uh, like meditation, if it's your thing, if it's not, uh, jogging, reading, whatever practice that you have, that kind of gives your routine and um, uh, somehow takes care of your uh, mental well-being. You know? So these three things, I think.
0: Those have been some excellent tips right there. Thank you so much, arebecca um, Tommi, Tommy, any, any final tips from your side?
1: Um I, I think arebecca just gave really good tips, so I'm not sure if I can add anything there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe something just you know, that came to my mind is that um, you know, as we have discussed, the the, the key thing really is to to sort of establish healthy habits and, and you know if, if meditation or mindfulness or breathing exercise or whatever that's not your thing it's still too good to have sort of some some sort of regular thing that you do that you enjoy and I, I think arit just mentioned like you know reading a book that you know just taking your time to to read a book you know I don't know 15 minutes to half an hour whatever you know that I think, and I, I feel, actually, that is, in in a way, it is, you know, meditation or you know, meditative it experience is, yeah, in itself, right? So, so maybe if if nothing else, then you know, hey, why don't you take as a habit instead of watching Netflix episode of whatever series, you know, take a book and read read some book for you know, thirty minutes, forty five minutes, so you know that might actually be very very good for you so that maybe that's my my tip
0: some some awesome tips thank you so much um um Rebecca and tommy it's been such a great and, and in-depth discussion about mental health and some of the tools that we can all use um to improve our men- mental health especially during these troubled times but obviously you know in any situation in life as well because troubled times and good times they both come and go um and we just need to make sure that we take care of ourselves because then we're able to take care of other people and love love other people um to the fullest as well uh, so thank you so much arebecca for to- for joining uh, me and Tommy today really appreciate your in-depth expertise um, on this, and it's really it's been really eye-opening uh, to have you with us today.
2: Thank you. It, it has been enjoyment for me as well.
0: Fabulous. So, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us uh, today on this Healthzilla episode number 15. Do make sure you go and download Healthzilla app from the App Store right now and do uh, some of those breathing exercises we have in there, and do make sure you try out the fingertip fingertip stress score measurement as well. And and with that, I will talk to you all next week. Peace. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.